Unshaken podcast. You're listening to a special episode in a bonus season called Unshaken Moms. They are talks given by moms from our Mom to Mom group at Christ the Word Church. And I'm filling in again today in order to introduce a timely talk that Julie Van Warmer gave about teaching our kids manners and consideration. It's called Everyday Etiquette. This episode is full of great practical examples and tangible things that you may not have thought about doing for a while, if ever. And also, I loved it because it gives some strategies for teaching kids right where you are today. So just starting where you are. I know I need regular reminders about what's happening in, as Julie calls it, the incubator of my home, and it's easy to get distracted or lose sight of those things. Now, I don't know about you, but I noticed in my own children and in talking to other parents that the lockdown and quarantine of 2020 had effects on our growing kids. Social skills and etiquette seemed maybe to have been minimized because our social circles shrunk. Familiarity became constant as we hung out with our families, and formality and social skills with others might not have been exercised as much. So if you notice similar trends and you see the need to work on some good social skills with your kids, this talk will help. If you enjoy these podcasts, be sure to subscribe to Unshaken so that you're able to get notifications of all of the podcast episodes. Regularly scheduled seasons drop every Thursday, and this particular bonus season, which are 12 episodes focused on motherhood, will also drop one each week right along with regular scheduled episodes every Thursday. So let's take a listen to Everyday Etiquette. It's funny that you asked, someone asked me to do this. I was telling my kids back, well, when I started working on it, they said, why did they ask you? I don't know, but so I said, maybe you need to have better manners. So we're going to work on that. But really, I know probably the real reason that you all asked me to come and speak, because I'm the epitome of manners. You see, when I was seven, I have the best story. When I was seven years old, many, many years ago, my, um, my, we had a family friend. It was a gentleman. His name was Mr. Kyler. Mr. Kyler was a teacher with my dad. Mr. Kyler was a large man. He was probably about 350 pounds. And he was a part of our home. And he would come in often. He was a single man. And he was kind of a part of our family, I should say. And when we would have get-togethers, like parties, he was always invited. And I was the youngest of five, so I spent almost... And my oldest sister closest to me is seven years older. I spent all my time as a kid talking to adults, except at school. So I learned, you know, to talk to adults and feel comfortable hanging out with adults and different groups of people. And um, we had a party, probably in the fall. I, I'm not sure on the date, but probably September sometime. And I, he was there, and our home was filled with all these people. And I remember that I was thinking about Halloween and costumes it's coming up, you know, and you know, every kid's starting to think about what they're going to wear and dress up as. And um, this room was full of adults, and I thought, I have this wonderful nugget of information I could share. Right now, and everyone would listen. You know, like they say E.F. Hutton speaks and, you, and everyone listens. Well, Julie speaks and everyone listens. I thought, this is perfect. Perfect timing. So I decided to share that piece of information. And I spoke, Mr. Kyler. He's across the room, of course, you know, all the way across, so that I have to speak loud. I have a loud voice anyway. If you dressed up for Halloween, you could dress up like a really big fat pillow. Now, you were laughing. No one else was laughing. And I'll tell you what, everyone in the room got quiet. My mother gasped in horror as she looked, and she's probably like over here. And my father, if he could, out of his eyes, would have shot arrows to kill me at that moment. And 
I was whisked away down the hall to a bedroom and told and corrected for saying something that I shouldn't have said. And I will tell you, when I said it, I knew immediately it was not appropriate to say. But I did, and so I had to go back and apologize. And with my arms to my side and my head lifted down, I apologized. And Mr. Kyler, in his graciousness, said, it'd be more like a mattress, Julie. It's okay. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I just did that. I learned. So I'm sure that this is why y'all asked me to speak on manners, because I'm not the best at manners. But I've learned a lot. And as I prepared to share with you today, I did what all a wise person would do. I Google searched it. I mean, won't you Google search virtually anything you ever want anymore? You can Google search it. 84,943 results on the word manners. The top one was a um, website called the A to Z of manners and etiquette.com. Now, I will say it was actually a good website. It had a lot of good things. It had things on dating manners, which I laughed at because I haven't thought about that for years. And I thought, oh, my kids are getting to that point. I should start thinking about dating manners again, right? I thought about uh, cell phone manners. Leanne mentioned that. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago, there, that wouldn't even have been on that site. Well, maybe that site wouldn't even been around. But anyway. Um, funeral manners. How different things have changed from the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, where you wore a dress to a funeral and had to be dark colored and black, and you wore a hat, I was reading on there. That is just what you did. That is not what we do today when it comes to funerals. And, of course, flag manners. I was thinking about the proper etiquette for flags. And some of you may have um, have military in your family. My uncle was in the military, and he died recently. And I remember the specifics of getting that flag folded and properly put away. And my aunt just put it on Facebook, a picture of it, in its little triangular wooden box sitting on top of the dresser or whatever. So there's lots of manners out there. But... And, and lots of etiquette to follow. And Leanne brought up a very good book that has great, great things in it, great resources. So I thought I'd bring a book, too. Just a small book to share with you all. I think what you should do is go home and read 30 pages and start memorizing it. It's Emily Post's Etiquette, book on etiquette. Okay, obviously I'm teasing. I would just recommend using these books as resources. They are wonderful for great information and tidbits that you need to know. If you're going to your husband's... Um, Christmas party, and it says casual, formal. I don't even know what that means. But if it does say that, you can look it up in here. Or you can go to the website. I'm really not going to talk about all those kinds of specifics because I thought about all of you as I prepared and began thinking about how your lives are surrounded in your homes and with your family. And I thought that's really where you need to start with all your manners. So that's where I'm going to start today. And actually, I'm going to use a better book to start. I'm going to tell you a few things that I found, little nuggets out of the Bible. The Bible is a great book to use. It doesn't actually have the word manners in the way that we think of it listed, but it has great pieces of information that can help us to know how God wants us to act. Um, so the first one, and if I noticed on your... Um, oh, yeah, they're here. <laughs> okay, so on the back, there's a little outline. If you are an outline girl like I am, you'll want to fill this in perfectly and make sure you spell everything correctly, right? That's how I work. But um, you may not want to do that. You may just want to listen, and that's fine, too. I really don't care. But there's a few things that I wanted to share with you. Um, the first one is um, God. The first thing is uh, relationships. The Bible's full of relationships. If, you hadn't ever, if you've ever had a chance to read anything of it, it's about God's relationship to his people. It's about husband and wife relationship. It's about co-worker relationships, mothers to children. And it's about even enemies. And it gives us great pieces of information. So I have just three scriptures that I want to, four scriptures, I'm sorry, to share with you that have to do with that. The first one is 1 Peter 2, 17. 
It says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And the reason I thought this was a really good one is if you just key in on those first two verses, those first two words, it says, honor everyone. And if you don't know, Leanne will know what this is. But Leanne, what is everyone? What part of speech is everyone? Oh, come on, Leanne. I should have told her ahead of time. It's a pronoun. What kind of pronoun is it? Hey, hey, what kind of pronoun is it? It's an indefinite pronoun. And it covers a lot of people. If you hadn't noticed, everyone covers everyone. (laughs) Isn't that handy? And so it really doesn't tell us that we're allowed to be mean to our neighbor or we're allowed to be unkind to the person driving on the road. It calls us to honor everyone. The second verse I picked was Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And I'm going to read it for you. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to your own, own interests, but also to the interests of others. When I, my kids, my older two kids, I have a 17 and a 15-year-old, when they were little, this is one of the verses that I keyed into right away that God showed me was a good verse to teach my kids. Because it helped me to see that I need to teach them, even in their relationship with each other, how they need desperately to have a good relationship and treat each other kindly and give up for each other. Another verse that I love is probably a verse you've heard a hundred times or a thousand times. In fact, it's probably etched on the wall somewhere in some public school and they have no idea that it's scripture. And it is, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And we call that the golden rule. That's Matthew 7:12. It's another verse that is wonderful to to throw out to your kids and remind them that this isn't mom's rules of good manners or proper ways to be. It's what God calls us to do. And the last one is a verse that I thought really was a great piece of nugget for us mothers <laughs> as we are dealing with all kinds of things, especially treating our kids. The, this is James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers or sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think this is a great example for us as mothers in the process of teaching and training our kids about manners. We can't expect them to already be there, and we need to be slow to speak and are quick to listen, slow to speak and quick to listen, and work with our kids in, and with other people. Now, a few years ago, I was, well, more than a few years ago, um, back when I was in college, I'd like to say it was a few years ago. We'll pretend, okay? Pretend with me that it was just two years ago, but um, it wasn't. And when I was in college at University of Toledo in elementary education, I had this wonderful opportunity. You would go and do these blocks. And a block is you'd go out and you'd learn about one particular type of elementary education, science, how you teach science in a classroom, how you teach math in a classroom. Oops. And I had to do science. And I was in this elementary um, teacher at Temperance Road Elementary in Bedford. I went to her classroom every single day. The first week I just observed, and they were finishing up a unit on baby chicks. All kindergartners go through baby chicks. Aren't they just so cute? And over in the corner of the room was this little incubator. And the the kids were always paying attention, and their job was to clean it, make sure we moved the chicken little eggs around so they got, you know, heat all over. And I just was observing that week. Pretty soon, in the middle of some part of our day, one of those chickies just, like, poked his little egg tooth through, I think that's what they call it, and shot it through, and you know, the little eggies, or the little chickies moving his way through, and he's doing this kind of thing, and pretty soon he's all sticky, and he comes out, and we got to watch this, everyone's running to this incubator in the corner of the room to watch this chick come out of its shell, and I really, as I was preparing, that story kept coming back to me, and thinking about that, and it made me think about our homes, and how our homes are an incubator for something. They either are an incubator for good manners, or they're an incubator for bad manners. And in the case of this 
chick, it was an incubator for something good that came out. It brought life. So in our homes, I want to encourage you to start that you have to think about what kind of manners is happening in my home. Where, what am I incubating? What am I growing right in my home right now? And maybe this is where you have to begin to think through all the things you do in your home. Because this is, if you have small children or older children, I think any age, this is where they find their protection, right? And where they're comfortable. And we need to teach them how to do it in their home first. So first thing down there, I don't think that's on there, but that's okay. First thing is home is an incubator for both good and bad manners. Um, the second part of this that I want to talk about is the fact that, our, that if you've ever been to the zoo and you've observed the monkeys, you probably know the phrase, monkey see, monkey. Thank you. I love participation. This is how it is with us mothers. We have to check out our manners first. We have to look at how we are reacting to people, how we are treating people, how we walk through life is going to be how our kids follow us. Monkey see, monkey do. No offense, I'm not trying to call you a monkey, but I really do think that how we act is going to be an effect on our kids, and that's why our home is the incubator. Um, Number two under the home is the incubator is um, now is the time. Now is the time to get started. You may have never thought about teaching your kids anything with manners. Maybe you feel like you have done a really good job. Maybe you feel like your kids are too old or they're too young. It's just an infant in the car seat. Why would I want to start working on manners? Well, I want to encourage you that now is the time. And I don't encourage you to take a book like this and try to do everything. I encourage you to take one or two things and pray about it and seek and decide what is the best thing to start with. I'm going to give you lots of practical ideas. And I'm sure at your table, if you look around, you have lots of women who have good ideas too. But come up with a couple things to get started on and start now. Number three, this is an assembly line, not the product. This is when we're parenting, as you probably already know. It's not all done. It probably is never done. I should ask people whose kids are moved out of the house. Is it ever done, Adrian? No, it's never done. It's always an assembly line. There's never a complete product, right? So one of the things that I think helps me with this is remembering that I need to be excited about the small victories in the manners area with my kids. And if I do see good things, I need to be excited that God is working in their heart. And I need to remember that I can't expect them to always be perfect. Set my standard there, but not expect them to always be perfect at all their manners. Number four is probably my most important thing of the entire talk. It's all about the heart. Um, Our heart is where really manners should come from. Our heart should be how we want to react to others, not because of how we look on the outside, but because we love people and we care for them. Some of you, and I won't have you raise your hand, might remember the sitcom from the 1950s, Leave it to Beaver. Okay, maybe I will have you raise your hand because it's really fun. Raise your hand if you have ever seen that. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to see I was not the only one. So, Leave it to Beaver's premise is this lovely home and this lovely, what do they call it, nuclear family, right? A mom, a dad, and two children. And, of course, it is set in a lovely neighborhood, and everything is really good. There's a mom and a dad, and the dad's a respected man in the community, and the mom walks around her house with pearls on, high heels, and carrying her laundry basket, which is just so normal. I mean, that's what we do, right? Anyway, and then um, you have Wally and the Beeve. They're the sons. Um, Wally sometimes gets into trouble, but Beaver, almost every episode, gets into some kind of trouble, right? Something. And then... What was that? Oh, that's right. That's just kind of how it is. Leave it to Beaver. That's right. And then, of course, you have the pesky neighbor. The pesky neighbor's name is Eddie Haskell. Everybody remember Eddie Haskell? Eddie 
Gaskell would come into the house and he would say, Oh, Mrs. Cleaver, let me carry that heavy load of laundry for you to the laundry room. Oh, I'll be happy to do that. You look lovely today. Oh, you look so lovely. You look beautiful. Your curls are lovely. It's, it's nice to see you today. And, you know, she would leave the room and he'd start talking trash with Wally again because Eddie didn't have it in his heart. Eddie had no interest in it in his heart. He wanted to look good to the right people. And one of the big things about teaching our kids to work and working on it with their heart, we don't want them to just look good to make us look good. We don't want them to look good to make uh, themselves look good. We want to teach them to do it because it's what God calls us to do and it's in our heart. Now, I want to walk through some areas of our lives. I think this is called... I don't know, etiquette in the dining room, something about the dining room. I'm sorry, I'm not staying in the dining room today. I think there's a lot of manners all over the house, but I will end up in the dining room at some point. The first thing when we're talking through some practical ways to take a look at them, and these are actually on your paper. Um, they're ideas for manners in your home. The first thing we need to remember over all of these is we need to, this is about training, so we need to be positive and encouraging to our kids. I don't, when I'm learning something new, I, if I'm on the computer and my son Jacob is teaching me something new, I would not want him to yell at me. No, mom, you don't do that. You don't use the mouse like that. What are you doing? Of course, he's, and he's learned that that's not the way to get to your mother, I'll tell you that. However, he has learned to let me do it, right, and to try it and figure out what I'm doing. And so when we're working with our kids, it's important that we're positive and encouraging them and we train them. We can't expect them to act away if we haven't trained them. So let's talk and walk through our house. Let's start with greetings, okay? Probably you wake up in the morning and you need to teach your kids to come down in a joyful way and to be greeting those in your, in your house. Super practical. Um, I have had kids come down very grumpy and I, you may choose to discipline them in some way. My best thing I've ever done is send them back up to their room and tell them not to come down until they have a joyful spirit. Why don't you go pray about that on your bed? And they usually go up and realize I'm not eating breakfast until I have a good attitude. And then they come down and they smile and greet everyone in the house. Very important. I will tell you, in my life, those of you who've known me for many years, my children were not good at greeting. Right, Cheryl? They would hide behind my leg and look out of the side of my leg like that, and when someone would look at them and say hi, they'd jump right back in there. So I've been there. I'm not telling you that it's easy. It requires a lot of training. I think my kids will actually greet you now. I'm not sure about all of them, but I'm working on the bottom curly top. He needs more work on that, I'll tell you that. But this is good to do this talk, because I realize I'm right there with you. We're all doing this together, so... So greetings are important. Hellos in public, welcoming people, smiling, shaking someone's hand. It's important to teach, practicing those things at home. Um, I have a friend whose husband's from Kenya, and they were at our house one day, and when we went to leave, this is the Van Warmer tradition, we leave the house, we walk out the door, and usually walk down the street as you drive away. I don't know why that is, but my kids do that all the time. Really what they're saying is, we're sad to see you go, we're so excited you came, and so they walk out every time. It's just the way it works. And you know what I think it does for people who are at my house? I think they feel good. They're like, they actually liked me being there. Now, if you've come to my home my kids haven't done that, it does not mean we don't want to do that, okay? But sometimes it's raining, or someone has to go to the bathroom, or something like that. But I think it's important. And she said in Kenya, that's called give a little push. And so it's just a good manner. Even goodbyes can be good manners. To say goodbye to people who are leaving and say, we had a good time. And teaching our kids to actually do that. How do you teach them to do this? I think a great way to do it is to role play. Role play at home what's going to happen when you have people over to your house. It might be, you even might even practice with stuffed animals or with the Lego guys, if that's who your kids are into. And let them practice it, Mr., you know. What are those, like, Star Wars guy? What's his name? I wish I should have gotten those. Obi-Juan or whatever. <laughs> okay, he might be able to come into the so-and-so's house, and he might be able to say thank you for letting
letting me come. Oh, yes, you're welcome, and you can have them role play. It's just a great way to practice, okay? I don't know that the guys in Star Wars have good manners, on a side note. I should pre prerequisite that. Okay, another one um, is telephone manners. And this is one um, that we probably have gotten away from because you all have your cell phones, right? And your kids are probably not answering your cell phone or sometimes. But if you have a home line, it's good to practice it and to have them call and practice the right kind of manners. You may have teaching your kids proper manners like being warmer residents or hello, whatever you want to do, but you need to have it set up so they know what they're supposed to do. And it's okay if it's not the same as what I do, but it's important to teach them what you've decided you're going to do. Eating. Eating is a big one. <clears throat> Eating is practicing chewing with your lips closed. I'm sure some of you are sitting here thinking of your child yesterday going at the table. And it's just a part of how it is. And so we need to train them to do it. A great way I have learned to do this is to have a fun snack. Uh, gummy bears are really good for practicing chewing, on a side note. Or something fun that you enjoy and have a time when you sit down at the table in the afternoon and you just have a nice conversation about whatever and you can hand them out as kids are chewing with their mouth closed. And yes, I know that's like Pavlov's dog where you're giving rewards, but it's a good way for them to practice the skill of chewing without you having other things happening at your dinner table. It's just a way to practice it. Proper table discussion. I have boys in my home, and it's very easy to have them go off into the potty world or end up in a different direction. And so it's important to, to talk about what is appropriate to talk about at the table. This also could change if you have family over or friends over. I'm sorry. If you have friends over, that may not be the time to discuss someone's bad grade in math at the table. You may have to choose to do that at another time. And, it's, and, and so it means we have to practice and practice talking about that with our kids. Also, when it comes to food, who sits where? This is a conversation that happens often before people come over to my house. I'll talk with my kids about, listen, Grandpa Van Warmer's coming over, and he's got a little walker. He sits here. And it helps Grandpa Van Warmer, doesn't it, Allison? If he knows exactly where he's supposed to sit, it helps him to know. He feels like we've thought of him and put the time into it. It may be that you have people coming over, and you really aren't sure how it's going to work. You need to teach your kids not to run and sit where they always do, or always sit there, to wait back until you have a chance for you to say, if you're having the Morgan family over, that Darren may need to sit here because his legs are so long. You know, we may have to work through some of those things and talk about them ahead of time. Another thing with dinner and food is setting a table. Very important. I remember when I got married in the blade, I cut out this little piece of paper that showed you how to set a table. And I put it on the side of my fridge, and I ever, hardly ever set my table like that, just on a side note. I did it when we had family over. It's good to know how to. It's good to teach your kids to do that. And it's important. But I think that's one of those things you can go to a book like this and get their suggestions. So I didn't bring a table and stuff to set it because it's just a practice of practicing it in your home. You can look it up yourself and see how to do it and teach your kids. Another great manner at the table is to thank the, whoever prepared the food and comment on the food, and this requires some tactfulness. And that's something we have to teach our children. There are times that I have made things and I thought they were yucky, and I need to teach my kids to speak properly. I don't want them to lie and say, oh, that's the best dessert or dinner you've ever made, Mom. But I want to teach them, in our, even in our home, to say something positive about what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want them to say, wow, it's warm. I mean, you don't want to do that. particularly, but we do need to walk through that at home with our kids so they know that. Magic words, number whatever, 
I have it as number C, but number three. Okay, so magic words. I'm not going to call them magic words. I think that's stupid because they're really not magic words, but I know you all will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say magic words. And there's the please and the thank yous and the you're welcomes and I'm sorry and those kind of things. Those are just habitual. They're just something we have to train our kids to do. And I know that we often say, I'm not, you, you, you don't get it unless I hear the magic word. I think we need to teach them to say, I am actually reaching up in the cabinet to get out your favorite blue cup. You need to be appreciative of it and say thank you to me for getting it. Now, I know that that sort of points out, like, I don't really need the thank you, but we want to teach our kids in our home that that's important, that what someone has done for us, we need to appreciate. And this may include, say, a writing a thank you or drawing a picture of a thank you for a birthday gift or something that they get. It's a very important manner to say thank you, and I think our culture has lost that, and they've certainly lost the personal note writing almost completely, in my opinion. And so I think it's important to say thank you. Behaviors. Behaviors are things that happen throughout your day, like you have to go to the doctor's appointment because you're pregnant and you need to sit with your other children there. Teaching our kids to sit is huge. It may be that they need to sit when you are dealing with the insurance company on the phone, or they need to sit in church on Sunday. And this is a great thing you have to do at home. You have to start teaching them with a little bit. When Jacob and Anna were little, we came to this, actually it wasn't here, but we went to the church, and everybody had their kids in service. And our kids were like climbing all over us and elbowing me in the face. And, you know, they were like, we're done. We want to be done. Oh, you know, I'm hungry. And through the whole entire service, and we left extremely embarrassed and thought, maybe we should never go back because they're not going to welcome us because of our wild children. But God is good, and he brought us, continued to come back. And Bill said, we are going to start tomorrow teaching them to sit. So we did one minute. And then we did two minutes the next day, and then we did three minutes the next day, and we kept moving up. And it was hard, and it took a long time. And it got better because as we did that, their example of sitting helped my younger kids be able to say, this is just what we do in church. We sit and listen. In fact, my kids will actually lean over to me and comment now on the service. And I'm like, yes, you actually are listening. So it's good, my little kids, I mean, it's good that we practice those habits. And that will help you in a lot of areas because if you have to go to the doctor's office, you want to look up a book at the library, you need to stop at a friend's house and talk to a friend about something, you can teach your kids to sit for a few minutes. And I didn't, I will say that I didn't, I didn't always say you have to sit with nothing. I would often give them a book or a little toy and give them some, some boundaries. You stay on the chair and you don't talk. And you can play with your thing. I don't bring toys in church for my kids usually. Sometimes they'll have a stuffed, my little Daniel might have a stuffed thing. But that, that's a, how you play it out. But I'm just saying training is happens at home. That's our incubator. Girl and boy areas. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go, yeah, girl and boy areas. These are the areas that kind of end up in the different realms of being a boy or being a girl. Boys need to be taught as they grow up to open doors for women or to lift up heavy things. My boys never did this on their own, and Jacob never did it on his own. I have to say, now, when we go here, remember, look for opportunities to lift up something for somebody in this event so that he would be looking for it. Otherwise, he just wouldn't do it. I don't mean that against Jacob. It's just our normal nature to think about ourselves. And so I had to say to him, you got to do that. Bill worked on him with a handshake. You do not shake like this. You know, you actually have to do a shake. And it was great when you have a lots of opportunities to do that when you have people in your home. Men always shake Jacob's hand. Always. I don't know why men do that. That's the way they greet. And they do. I hug everybody. So I'm like, let's work on hugging, you know. But in the process, it's a good thing to teach them. And little boys to teach them to do things like let their sister go and show deference for your sister. This happens in lots of areas of life. And it's probably another thing that's lost in the culture, but it's important that we teach our kids to do that. Um, and this is my own personal thing that I learned. 
We need to teach our girls to let boys do those things and to do the things and to serve and to get more coffee and to clear the table after people. That's my rule with my girls. You clear the table. When people come over for dinner and we have people over, you guys, your job is to clear the table completely so that I can sit and talk to those ladies or men or whoever's there. That's how that works. And they just know that now. And then Rachel will swoop up and collect it and head off to the kitchen. I don't even care if they do the dishes. Sometimes there's a rule for that. It depends. But the point is teaching them those things. And I know for me, I grew up in a home where I worked hard outside all the time. And I was, Bill actually referenced me as being sturdy. And um, that is true. And I took it as a compliment. Just so you know, I did not think of it bad. But um, because I was sturdy, I'm really comfortable lifting heavy things. I have no problem if someone doesn't open the door. I never, ever thought about it. But I remember having a conversation with Bill, and he said, you have to let me do those things. Because that's what I want to do. I want to love you and serve you that way. So let me lift up those things. So I had to really make a conscious effort to say, I am not going to pick up all those groceries. Would you bring them in for me? You know, Because I just would do it. And still now, I still sometimes do it. And it's actually good to be sturdy, just on a side note. It's a helpful thing to be sturdy, and I appreciate that. But it's good to teach our girls that it's okay to let someone serve you sometimes in different situations. Um, interrupting. We probably run into this every day. And maybe even here, you've already run into it. You've had a child interrupt you. And you're in the middle of a conversation. And there's a lot of ways to play this out. I know some people who say, you never interrupt me. They tell their kids, you do not ever interrupt me. Well, I always am talking. So my children would never get to talk to me if that was the case. And so in that, we've developed some ways to do that in our home. How you did that's going to look different, but you do need to talk about how to deal with interrupting. My kids will see me. If I'm talking and the person I'm talking to is crying, you don't interrupt me. If I'm crying, you don't interrupt me. Okay? Those are just very basic things. Okay? If I'm talking to Bill at home and I'm crying, he's not crying. But if, if that's happening, they don't interrupt me. You just don't do that. And they know that now because we've talked about it. But to my friend at church and we're just laughing and having a good time, they'll walk up and if they walk up and are polite for a few seconds I'll stop the conversation. Some of you know this. I've done this. And say, what did you need? And if it's something that is we've also discussed what you interrupt for. That's another big one. Is it okay to interrupt to tell some stupid story right then? No. You can tell me that in the car on the way home. But is it okay to interrupt to say, hey, can Susie come over after church on Sunday? Yeah, that's okay to interrupt. Not if Susie's standing there. That's how my rule is. I don't want Susie standing there when you're asking me. <laughs> and not her mom either. Because then that's really awkward. No, you know. So, but you got to talk about, with interrupting, how you're going to play it out. Because your kids won't know. And then you'll be upset with them because they're interrupting you if you haven't taught them how to do that. So you have to walk through that. Guests. We have to teach our kids to be a good guest and how to love on your guest. And they're two completely different things. I feel like I have had kids in my home I mean, I feel like I have them all the time. My kids are always wanting to have friends over, and I try really hard to do it as often as I can. And I have had some interesting events with kids over to my house. And I will say that some of them have been fantastic. And some of them have been food for my talk today. <laughs> but I've had kids come over, and I remember an instance, this was years and years and years ago, a girl wanting to, she invited herself to my house, and I want to come over to your house, Mrs. Van Warmer, I want to come over today, and I thought, Okay, I really don't like it when people invite themselves over, but okay, I could see this girl needed some love, so she came over. I said, well, our house isn't messy. I don't really have anything exciting for dinner, but I would really love for you to come over. Why don't you come over and play with my girls? And she was all excited. And she walked into my home and said, oh, you were right. It is disgusting in here. And it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> I thought, you don't know anything. The problem is that I set her up. 
by saying that, just on a side note. I remember having that conversation with Billy. He goes, well, you said it was messy, so she was looking for mess. And we need to teach our kids to be appreciative and thankful when they go to a house and not to worry what the house looks like. If I invite friends over for my kids, I'm not always making sure it's perfect. I don't have time for that. I don't know if you guys have time for that. But I just want them to go have fun. And how you deal with that, how a friend goes over to a guest house, is important that you talk about because guess what? You're not there. So you have to talk about this one. And sometimes it might require that you have to talk with the person that they went to. Recently, my two boys got to go to a friend's house on a Sunday after church. Whoa, was my afternoon different. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I get to take a nap. And it was great. But when they came home, I said, how did it go? And my older son, Joshua, said, oh, it was really fun. And we did this and this and this. And Daniel wouldn't eat his meat. And I'm talking on manners in a few weeks. I've got to get him eating his meat. But you know what? It reminded me, I really don't make him eat all of his meat every time we sit at the table. Sometimes because I'm being lazy, I think, oh, it doesn't matter. I know he's going to eat when he's hungry. I'll just set it aside. And so I said, from now on, you're going to eat some pieces of your meat. And you're going to learn this because I love you. And I want when you go to someone's house that they appreciate it too. Now, I did find victory in that. I found victory because Joshua saw that that was wrong. And he said it to me and he ate his meat. And I I know that sounds goofy and I don't want to quibble over meat. I just want to teach my kids to be respectful in someone's home. So I appreciate that I had that opportunity to talk to both Daniel and I don't like the meat, he said. I said, I don't care. You're going to eat it anyway. But in the process, it's good to have those conversations. Another thing that comes with guests are family rules. And I think this one is another one that I've learned when people of kids have come into my home is that there are different rules in different families. You probably have caught on to that already. And different people have different ways they go about doing things. And sometimes I used to be very rigid about myself and my rules. And I was very self-righteous, thinking I have got it together in my hand. If you could just follow me, your life would be great, right? (laughs) quickly that my rules were different than yours, but I've seen some pretty, pretty good um, products come out of homes that didn't have the same rules as me. And so it's taught me that rules are okay, rules can be helpful, but we don't always have to say that it has to be just like my home. This comes in play with having, sending your kids to someone's house for a guest. I've had kids in my home who've told me that they're not allowed to eat that kind of food and it's not an allergy. And they've said that to me at the table. And I'm thinking, okay, I understand that you're not allowed to, but that's all I have right now. We need to teach our kids. Sometimes, even if we have a health, you know, we're eating green apples, and this is no offense to anyone in particular, but if all we're eating is green apples, I get that, but I may not have them at my house. And unless you send them, you probably need to teach our kids to just eat what is available and be thankful for what they have. It's one meal. We also need to teach our kids to be a good guest in our home. And this one requires another opportunity. But the cool thing is you're there. So if you're aware of what's happening, you can guide your child and walk with them through this. This has been really hard for me recently because Daniel, my four-year-old, is not a very good helper when it comes to a guest. He wants his things and he wants his way. And we've had a lot of practice in that this past three or four months. And the other day I said, I'm just not going to invite kids over to play with him. That would be so much easier. But it's not because I need to teach him and I need to invite kids over so I can help him say, well, you're not showing deference to your friend. You're not treating him like you want to be treated and he says okay you're right you know I mean I don't even think his heart's there but he's doing it so it's good for us to be there and to teach our kids how to be good guests to teach them one of the things I do with my kids all the time before they have friends over is what are you going to do when they come over 
what are the things you want to do when they come over? And they're like, why do you always ask me that? I'm like, I want you to plan ahead. What kinds of things can you do that your friend would love to do? So you have ideas in your brain so that you can say to them, what do you want to do? Do you want to play a game? I've got all these games in this cabinet. Do you want to go and play with dolls? Do you want to build a, a siege fort tower in, with Legos and you know throw things back and forth? What do you want to do? I mean Legos, not people, not things. But you know, and it helps them because it helps them to see what they need to do, and it helps them to treat their guests very kindly. Because when my kids go to someone's house and they go, "What do you want to do?" And my kids say, "I don't know." What do you want to do? I don't know. I mean, then they go, let's watch a movie. Okay, let's go watch a movie. And there's no interaction at all. I'm not opposed to movies. I'm just saying, when we have kids over, we need to be teaching them how to interact, and this is a great way to do that. Friendships. In a family with three girls, oh my, friendships are a great place to practice manners. And I remember my era of friendships. I still have them, on a side note, friends. But um, on in the era of friendships, this is a hard one, and this requires a lot of work and a lot of conversation, a lot of conversation with girls. I think girls have issues with friendships. This is just my opinion. Jacob doesn't really have issues with friendships. He's like, he can hang out with anybody in his realm of the world and doesn't really care. And that could just be his personality, so I haven't gotten a boy like that. Joshua and Daniel don't seem to have issues with friendships as much. They just go with the flow and, you know, Daniel's a little selfish, but we're working on that. But girls seem to be different. And so my three girls have had issues up and down with friendships. And a lot of them go back to manners and proper kindness to others. And it may be the things we need to teach our girls or our boys, too, is inclusion. We need to teach them to be inclusive, not exclusive, but to include those around them. To include them when you're, and this doesn't mean they have to be best friends with everybody. I'm not best friends with y'all, but I would talk with any of you. Now I feel like I'm Melissa Franklin saying y'all. She should have done this because that's Southern manners, you know, y'all. Anyway, but I I think it's important to teach them to include people. And this is going to be conversations that happen all the time because kids don't remember that. They get with their friends and they're having a great time and they're not thinking about anything else, but oh, I can't wait. We're going to have a good time when we hang out together and they're not thinking about the girl standing over here. And so we need to teach them by talking. And another thing we need to teach them is care and work with I would call people the underprivileged. And I don't mean like they can't afford things or that they have, but they may be the kid who just physically or isn't able to participate in what's happening. Uh, It could be a limitation of some reason. It could be a mental limitation. It could be a physical limitation. It could be lots of things that are limiting them to be participating in what's happening. And we need to teach kids to be care, to show care to those people. It doesn't mean that if you're playing a game and they can't play for some reason because they hurt their foot last week, that you don't do it. It just means you stop, you teach kids to stop and hang out with them for a little bit and talk to them. And we have to talk about how to do that and what those things might look like. Um, another one with friendships that are really important. Well, I guess the next thing is tactfulness, and this goes together. I know tactfulness isn't a manner, but I think it is um, really good to teach our kids. And this is not something that I think a four-year-old has any of. I don't think four-year-olds have tactfulness. I think they just say anything they want to say anytime. But we need to teach our kids and talk about that. When someone says something to one of my kids, and we've had this even this past week, someone said something that was really highly offensive to my one of my kids. And first off, I said, well, you're, you're offended. That's your deal. You're dealing with this. That's because you didn't like what they said. Whether it's true or not, you need to forgive and you need to love them. And then I said, and remember, when they said that, they weren't thinking. And so we need to be careful that what we say, we're thinking about what we're saying. And is this going to bother the person I'm talking to? We also need to do that when it comes to both friends and outsiders. You know, when you're in a group with kids, you know, when you're a family, people that they don't see all the time. I think one thing that comes up often to my kids is 
um, things that have to do with things we don't do or we do do, and then they bring that up and make that become something they discuss. And sometimes that's just not what you talk about. We just happen to not have a, we have a TV, but we don't have cable right now. But my kids would say, we don't have nasty cable. I could just hear them saying something like that to somebody. I mean, they didn't, but I can hear them saying that because I have often said, I just don't like all the stuff that's on cable. And I'm probably, probably sure that all of you would agree with me that on cable TV, there's not a ton of great, great things. There's some great things, but we need to teach our kids to be careful even bringing it up. I mean, why do five-year-olds need to discuss cable TV? You know, I mean, really. But it's important for our kids to realize that sometimes there's things we don't need to bring up, and we don't need to have a conversation about it. It might be uh, different churches. I've had my kids say things about, well, our church does this, and it's great. And it can sort of then knock down someone else's. Now, we want, I love my church, and I would welcome any of you to come anytime you want to. But we have to be careful with how we do that. One thing I did with my kids, and have done this many, many, many times, because my kids, especially um, a few of them, are very quiet in group settings, and they don't want to communicate, or they just enjoy being a part of things, and they don't talk. And I have said to them, first off, one of the first things I did on Sundays was, go to find three people. And then I had to limit it. You cannot talk to Mrs. Schreiner. You cannot talk to Mrs. Slick. You cannot talk to Papa John. Those are three people that are really easy to talk to. Or Mrs. Myers. And I had to say, nope, none of those people. Because that's, everybody went. In fact, I think one time, one of my kids talked to Papa John three times. I said, that does not count, okay? So, three separate times. Well, they're different times, Mom, you know. But having them go in a group setting and talk to different people. And then coming back and reporting back, which sounds really funny, but saying what they talked about. Because, and, and I had to, then I had to go, then I made it even more narrow. You can't talk to somebody who's in your Sunday school class. You have to talk to somebody who's over 15. You have to talk to, some, you have to, talk to someone who's over 40, which is funny because then they're wanting to ask for ages. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can't do that. But you, I limited the amount so they would talk to some of you ladies because you're lovely and I want my daughters to talk to you. And so when they do that, they get a chance to learn new things and they get to learn skills of talking. The other thing I did is I had one particular child who, is, who doesn't really, isn't, uh, great, isn't easy at communicating. And um, I made that child, her, <laughs> um, make a list of 20 questions she could ask anybody. I made it and said, put it in your purse. And she kept it. And she's actually used it. Which, no, I'm not saying she's going, hang on, I got a question for you. you know? Here, let me go to number 12. No, she's not doing that, but it helped her to think through all the questions she could ask somebody. Because, you know, I'm like that. I'm standing there with a new person. I'm thinking, I have no idea what to talk to you about. Okay, I know these questions. I have them in my brain now. I know what things I can ask you that will make it comfortable so you'll begin to talk. We've also had discussions about how when kids are talk, when whoever's talking, whoever's asking the questions is really the one who kind of controls the conversation, if you didn't know that. And so if you talk to Cheryl, she's going to ask you questions. I know she is. And she can then control the conversation, not in a bad way, but to ask questions and lead you to talk about things that will help her to know things about you. And I think that's really, really cool to be able to do that. And I think that asking questions is good, and it shows good tactfulness. I didn't, I didn't pull my cell phone out. I thought it was bad manners, so I have no idea about my time. But I'm going to do my last things here, okay? Final thoughts. Am I doing okay? All right. Final thoughts for you on manners. I probably didn't touch on a manner area that you're struggling with now. But let me tell you what. I could look around this room right now and find at least 15 women that you could ask. And I suggest you do that. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. Every time we go to the store, my kid picks his nose. I don't know what to do with it. Ask Someone else in this room, that's a stupid example, but ask somebody else in this room, what do you do? How do you deal with 
outfit. We have a grand, you might have somebody in your family who demands kisses, and your kids hate them. And I've been in that shoe, that spot. And you have to, well, how did you deal with that? How did you help them learn to kiss Great Aunt Betty, who's got hair right here? I mean, how do you do that, you know? So you have to teach them to love. And so you have to talk about it, and it's important. Um, be encouraging and praise God for what changes he's happening that's happening in your kids. Do it in your prayers to God, thanking him for the work he's doing, and do it for your kids. Don't praise them for what, oh, you did a good job with your manners. Say, I'm thankful that you obeyed God because you showed kindness to this family that came over. And point them back to God and what the scriptures say about it. Uh, number two, or the next one, I don't know what order it is, but constantly be evaluating what is happening in your home. Keep looking at your incubator because that's where it's happening. And we don't want to get lazy and forget about things because when we get lazy and forget about things, I know this because my I was really good with my older kids teaching them things. And as I told you already, i got to work on my younger ones because I'm realizing that I haven't been do- doing that as good. And so walking back through and evaluating is really important. Use good books. Um, I think this is a great tool for um, discussion. I'm not talking about this one, but... Um, I just went to the library and pulled a whole bunch of books off of the shelf, like Don't Slurp Your Soup, or Table Manners for Kids, or You've Got Manners. I mean, I have like 14 of them at home, and we're reading them today, just so you know. Um, But these are really good because there's conversation starters. I certainly wouldn't sit my 17 and 15-year-old down and say, let's read a book, guys. But with my little kids, it's perfect. It is perfect. A great thing with older kids and dealing with manners is, as you're reading with them, if you're reading a book out loud to your kids, if you've got elementary kids, and you see bad manners in that book, stop and point out the bad manners. Take that as an opportunity. If you're reading a book like Clifford's First Snow Day, how handy. If you are to your kids or anything, I'm not recommending that you don't, I'm just writing this down. You don't need to write this one down, it's just a sample. And in If you see good manners, point out the good manners and point out how they could do that. Instead of making it always be a lecture, just make it be part of what you do. With my older kids, we have a lot of discussion about people that they see and things that they observe, whether it be at church, whether it be at school, whether it be anywhere. And we have a lot, a lot of discussion at my home. I mean, we talk a lot, and I think that's really important. And, I mean, I am so tired at the end of the night, but I almost always have a kid sitting on the side of my bed telling me about something that happened that day. I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I do. And it's important, and it's a lot of times it's about manner issues. Something happened, and maybe someone's offended, or maybe someone got hurt, or they observed something, and they think, I don't know, what, how do I do that? Rachel, a couple weeks ago, observed some, a situation that was really hard for her, and she did the right thing, but it made her feel really, really upset because other kids were being mean then to her. And I, and I, we talked about it. We talked all the way through it, and she was in tears. I'm sure she's thrilled that I told you that. But it's a great example of we just had to talk through it, and she felt better when we were done. Um, the next, the last two things are sp- oh, well, spend much time discussing with your children, and the last one is pray. Spend time praying for your kids about both their good manners and their behavior, but also praying over them at night. If you get a chance to, great thing. I lay my hands on my kids every night and just pray for them and ask God, and I pray out loud, you know, so they hear my prayer, that God would help them to be kind to their brother and sister. And it's really fun when you do that because then the next day when they're kind, they go back and say, remember how you prayed that last night, Mom? Well, I just, I was just kind to him, and I didn't hit him even though I really wanted to, you know? And it's great to see that. Now, that doesn't happen every day. It's not like every day my kids are going, yes. Oftentimes they are hitting, and then we got to go back to talking through it. But it's good to do that, and it's good to pray for them and with them. It's been great to be with you today. Wow. 
heard those some really great ideas in this episode. I know I needed to hear that. If you're sitting there thinking, whoa, I've never thought of this, or I am not teaching any of this to my kids, don't be discouraged. I love how Julie said, pick one or two areas and pray about how you can start implementing change and working on that. So just start by asking and praying about where can you begin and start there. If you'd like to reach out to Julie and Unshaken, the email address is unshakenpsalms62 at gmail.com. And if you have any comments or questions or thoughts, please do so. I know your feedback and suggestions are helpful and wanted. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. Take courage and remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.